This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We pulled up at 11 o'clock this morning and we're at 145 now. People waiting for hours just to get into the U.S. this holiday weekend. Uh, and they love to be part of our family and, and that they always will be part of the Abbotsford family. A special honor, the salute to the family of a fallen Abbotsford police officer. When you've got illegal sales going on, we're not necessarily getting those numbers reported. And fish bites, the warning from officials, don't buy salmon caught in the lower Fraser River. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks very much for joining us. While a frustrating time to get across into the U.S. at the border today, many people left waiting for several hours. At the height of the delays this long weekend, there was about a four-hour wait heading south at the Pacific Highway and Peace Arch crossings. Not much better at Aldergrove and Sumas, where drivers were waiting for up to three hours. Some people reporting some pretty aggressive side street rat runners, even blocking the highway into Canada. One of the reasons for why it could be so busy, uh, Canadians with tickets to tonight's Blue Jays and Mariners game in Seattle. The people we spoke to seem to take it all in their stride. I, I don't think we have seen this bad. Never, ever. It's just that we always hang out in Vancouver, so it's long weekend, right? So more fun going to the States. Still more fun. <laughs> I guess. Our car is overheating. So... <laughs> Well, to watch BC boy James Paxton. He's pitching for the Mariners today. Watch the Jays versus the Mariners. What, what time is the game? Uh, our game isn't until Sunday. We planned ahead of time because I have done this a couple years in a row. In other news tonight, Surrey RCMP officers have executed a search warrant on a home today after a young child was found in medical distress. Now, it all started yesterday when officers were called to the house on 125 A Street and 112 A Avenue to help paramedics with the infant. The child is now said to be in a critical condition. Police say there's no indication of foul play. During the call, officers did notice an unsecured firearm. They did get a search warrant to look again today it turns out it was a replica some ammunition though that wasn't stored properly was found that was seized no word yet if any firearms charges are being considered and a frightening night for people living in this Surrey home after a vehicle crashed right through their house. It happened near 134th Street and 98th Avenue late last night. The driver's been taken into custody. The passenger was taken to hospital. Luckily, no one inside the house was hurt, but they won't be able to go back home until the damage is fixed. A new tribute today for fallen Abbotsford Police Constable John Davidson. Nine months after the officer was killed in the line of duty, the RCMP's famed musical ride showed a salute to his family. Nadia Stewart reports. Before the fanfare and fancy footwork, Davidson family, we're sorry for your loss. A special tribute. 
and it's an honor to give you a salute today. To a father, husband, friend, and beloved Abbotsford police officer. I'd like to request your permission to carry on with the performance of the musical ride. And with the family's blessing, Mounties perform in honor of fallen Abbotsford police officer, Constable John Davidson. It has been nine months. Nine months since the 53-year-old officer died, shot and killed by a man wielding a rifle. You just never know. Yeah, we all kind of signed up for that unknown portion in policing, and uh, it's tragic and it's awful, and especially for an officer that just gave back to his community. For Melanie Zonderlin, this was an important ride. She attended the fallen officer's funeral and remembers well how the community bonded in the wake of the tragedy. Even though she serves on a different force, the respect and emotions are the same. Police and firefighters, paramedics, we're all still one big family. Had it been the other way around, and sometimes it is, uh, the respect is, it's, it's, it's equal. Abbotsford's deputy police chief says the tribute means a lot to Constable Davidson's family and the Abbotsford Police Department. There's a, a large group of people in our department who have become very close to Denise and Drew and, and Faye and Dina um, and the whole family. Uh, we, we stay in touch all the time. And they're an amazing family. They're very resilient. They're strong. Uh, and, uh, and they love to be part of our family. And, and that they always will be part of the Abbotsford family. There will no doubt be more tributes as the somber one-year anniversary approaches for an officer who will never be forgotten. Nadia Stork, Global News. There is a warning from fishery officials tonight not to buy fresh salmon caught in the lower Fraser River. This is after reports of rampant illegal sales of fish. Jill Bennett has more on this story tonight from Maple Ridge. Jill? Well, there are fisheries officers on several points along the Fraser River this weekend. And what they're doing is educating the public, saying if you are purchasing fish caught in a Saturday First Nations fishery, what you're doing is illegal. And not only illegal for the people selling, but also for the people buying. Both could face fines. The seller would be getting an appearance notice. Um, the purchaser would be the same. Um, there is a ticketable amount in about $400, so we would seize any fish, so they would be out whatever kind of money they paid for the fish, and it would either be a ticket for $403 or an appearance notice in court for that violation. The DFO says there are a couple of concerns. One, they can't manage the fishery if too many fish are taken out and sold, and two, there are health concerns on fish purchased in this way in that there are no checks and balances as far as icing and how the fish is stored before it's sold. Now there is some good news. There is most likely a commercial fishery that's going to be happening on the Fraser in the coming days. On Wednesday we have a, a straight commercial fishery opening for 24 hours on the Fraser River and that will take place from the Portman Bridge downstream for the commercial fleet and then the department is currently negotiating with First Nations and they'll have their own commercial fishery which is called an economic opportunity. We talked to some members of the Catesy First Nation. No one wanted to go on camera. However, the argument has often been made. They are allowed to sell food fish. The DFO says at this point, that's not the case. Back to you. Jill, thanks very much for that tonight. Now, U.S. and Canadian scientists are racing against time to save an endangered orca that may have only days to live. The female, known as J50, is one of just 75 southern resident killer whales left. 
They travel the waters between BC and California. This orca was born in December of 2014 and was seen as a real boost to the orca population. She has been struggling the last few weeks, though, is looking very lethargic and underweight. Scientists believe the situation is very serious and may have to feed the orca with salmon containing medication. It's a very uh, iffy and I should say risky sort of proposition given how her condition has deteriorated. Uh, the scientists believe, as I said, that, that the situation is urgent. But in terms of feeding a whale that is stressed like this and in trying to deliver medication, we don't believe that's ever been attempted before. Fisheries and Oceans Canada says it is reviewing the plan for medicated feeding and how that can be done to help save J50 without disturbing any other members of the pod. Any rescue operation in Canadian waters would need to be licensed, so it's likely nothing is going to happen before Tuesday. We do have an update now for you on that tour boat that almost ran aground while navigating the second Narrows Bridge. Now, the operator of that vessel boat has now been slapped with a fine. Transport Canada says it's investigating. Kristen Robinson has the details. Keep going, buddy. A sightseeing tour up Indian Arm, getting off to a rocky start. He's trying to ram through. On July 27th, the Pacific Ferries vessel Coastal Runner running aground near the second Narrows Bridge with 17 passengers on board. Witnesses capturing video of the passenger ferry appearing to get stuck on the rocks repeatedly, its operator trying to back out in shallow water. That way! Pacific Ferries admits their captain messed up by not accounting for the sandbar and low tide. The operator apparently wanted to show his passengers the shipyards and some seals, but ended up on the wrong side of the train bridge. My concern was for the passengers. This was not a safe tour. Any grounding of a vessel is a close call for passengers. A grounding in, in high currents uh, is even more dangerous. Marine lawyer Darren Williams says in this case the boat was out of the vessel traffic lane. What was clear in this case was the, the vessel master had the, uh, the ship far too close to the shoreline and appeared to have lost what we refer to as situational awareness. The, water. the VPD Marine unit slapped the 48-year-old operator with a $575 ticket for unsafe operation of a vessel. The coastal runner continued its tour up Indian Arm, unscathed according to Pacific Ferries. But after a Transport Canada inspection, the vessel was detained from further operations and is undergoing repairs. It won't be back at this dock until a second inspection by Transport Canada. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A new mudslide today has forced a major BC highway to close again. Highway 97 has been shut down since this afternoon. It is five kilometres north of the Highway 1 junction at Cash Creek. Now you can take Highway 1. Highway 5 or Highway 24 instead. So far, there is no word on when it might reopen.
It's the second mudslide to shut down the route this week. On Thursday, a mudslide shut down Highway 97 for days just north of Cache Creek. Uh, this tape was sent in by a global viewer who was able to make it through, but not without getting the vehicle covered in muck and debris. The highway was closed in both directions from Highway 99 Junction to Clinton. Geotechnical engineers were on scene this morning assessing the damage. Crews were finally able to get it open. The latest on the wildfire front in an area south of Corston is still under a state of local emergency. It is because of the Snowy Mountain Fire, which is now about 10,000 hectares in size. Strong winds have made it worse. People in about two dozen homes have been evacuated. Hundreds more have been told to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. The Snowy Mountain Fire is aggressive and it's growing, ballooning to nearly 11,000 hectares and still out of control. Certainly the winds have, have been a challenge throughout the, the history of this fire. They're uh, unpredictable both in direction, speed, and when they pick up. American officials closely watching the fire slowly creeping south. Always coordinating with British Columbia. Our fire operations manager is in constant contact with them. The Snowy Mountain Fire is about three kilometers from the border where it could cross into grasslands and take off. I don't know what's better, grass or forest, when it's burning because grass, it goes so quickly, but it could be easier to put out. But in the forest, it could burn forever and it takes days to mop up and get all the hot spots. So we really don't know what we're in for. A dozen helicopters are splitting their time between bucketing the Snowy Mountain wildfire and the nearby 2,300 hectare Placer Mountain blaze. 80 firefighters are also at Snowy Mountain. And at least for now, officials consider that sufficient. A lot of the topography of this fire is, is inoperable and inaccessible and unsafe for our firefighters to work from. Overnight, some firefighters were called away to a couple of new fires started nearby. Believed to be human-caused, they closed Highway 3 for a short time. The fire was not spotting across the river to where those fires occurred. They were two new fires. So the investigation on the cause and origin of those fires is ongoing. Those fires are now believed to be under control and crews are back at the lightning-caused snowy mountain blaze, working to build a containment line along the valley bottom, removing any material that could go up in flames, and keeping a close eye on the mercury as it's expected to climb into the mid-30s next week. Jules Knox, Global News. And in the East Kootenay, some campers clearly not following the campfire ban. Conservation officers issuing $4,600 in fines after four unlawful campfires were found during their patrol last night. 252 wildfires have been recorded in southeastern BC so far this year. Welcome back. Well, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is in the Lower Mainland tonight. He's going to be making an appearance at the Richmond Night Market following a brief stopover in Duncan. The PM met with forest workers and toured the BC Forest Discovery Centre. Now, he's been reiterating his support for the industry, uh, which has been hit hard by the softwood lumber trade dispute with the US. He was also asked about a recent call by environmentalists to boycott serving him and his family during their recent vacation in Tofino.
I have been uh, spending time in Tofino uh, since I was about 12 years old at uh, various points during my life. I was glad to have my family with me uh, for, uh, for a, a little while and I can say that as always uh, the reception in Tofino, the folks there uh, were absolutely wonderful, welcoming and uh, uh, it's one of the reasons why we, uh, we absolutely love to go back to that incredibly beautiful part of the country. In the Okanagan, a woman is speaking out with safety concerns after a baseball hit her car as she was driving by, uh, driving by during a Kelowna Falcons game. Global Okanagan's Jules Knox has the story. Deirdre Rowland was driving past Elk Stadium when a baseball bounced off her car. She says prompting cheers from the crowd at the Kelowna Falcons game. It what really wasn't funny um, because two feet from where the baseball hit was my head and the ball could have struck me, and I could have really injured someone else. The ball dented her car, and according to ICBC, this type of incident falls under its comprehensive coverage. It's optional insurance, and a deductible would apply. Roland says she filed a claim, and her car can be repaired, but she's speaking out because she's concerned about safety. This ball could have hit a child, you know, and hit them in the head. We would be looking at a personal injury, perhaps brain damage. It could have hit in the senior. Roland wants more netting installed around the field. This is an industrial area, but, you know, it is a safety concern, and I think that the city should talk about it. The city says there is netting behind the backstop. At Elk Stadium, there are... Uh, there is a substantial backstop there, and um, from time to time, there do, balls do leave the park. The city rents Elk Stadium to the Falcons and says the team is responsible for any property damage. The user groups would be responsible for any damages and they would have to make amends on that. The Kelowna Falcons did not respond to multiple requests for comment. Roland says she talked to a team official on the day of the incident, but he was dismissive of her situation. I just wanted to let them know, you know, like, you're responsible, you need to pay the deductible on the car, you need to step up to the plate. And I've heard nothing. As for the cost of the claim, ICBC says the average deductible for this type of incident is usually around $300 and it won't affect any insurance discounts. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. Mm, that's very, very tough. All right. Um, tonight, it's a very, very busy night. Of course, there's going to be lots of bangs and stuff going on. <laughs> we are talking about the celebration of light, um, and uh, it is the last night tonight. And Yvonne is down there at English Bay. There you are. She's our firecracker. <laughs> she is. <laughs> and it's a beautiful night uh, for the celebration of light. Uh, things are going to kick off this evening with South Korea taking the skies at 10 p.m. But if you're planning on heading down earlier this evening at 7.45, you can catch the air show. And then at 8.30 on the stage right up here, I'm at the Keg Lounge. Rhea May will be taking the stage. And later on in the show, we'll be chatting with her quickly. And if you're planning on coming down, SkyTrain has also boosted their services and extended their hours for the evening. So that's a great suggestion. And temperatures are going to be very comfortable. It's been warming up and comfortable today, but even warmer for the latter half of our weekend. I'll have more on that coming up very shortly. And once again, if you're planning on coming down, give yourself a little extra time. Um, it will be very busy this evening. Guys? All right. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. We'll uh, catch you with the weather a bit later. I have to say, it looks stunning, doesn't it? It does. That shot, it's very beautiful. The water there. just sparkling in the back and Yvonne sparkling at the front. That's end. right. Couldn't ask for better, better conditions. Beautiful. For sure. Beautiful. All right. What's happening in well, sport? Well, both the uh, Whitecaps and Lions, are, they can't enjoy that because they're on the road. The Whitecaps are in New
New York mm -hmm. at Yankee Stadium. Their match is on right now, and the Lions actually just kicked off in Calgary. So two very tough places for both of those teams to get a win, but if they could uh, steal a victory, that'd be uh, awesome for them. Both of them certainly looking for wins. So uh, highlights of both of those games going on right now. Welcome back. Well, a tornado touched down west of Lake Manitoba last night, killing one person and tearing at least one home off its foundation. Global's Nikki Juicy has the details. It was a sea of destruction, home apart, campers flipped over and car windows blown out. This, the aftermath of Friday night's tornado, resembling something out of a movie. But this is the oldest Chuck's reality. The family was camping at Margaret Bruce Beach when the twister came barreling down. We just all made it in the house and, and a few minutes later it hit. Forty people took cover in the basement. Your shop is gone. A family member captured this footage as the cyclone touched down near the property. Once a shop, now reduced to rubble. But the family says they're thankful no one was hurt. This is all fixable. Uh, if something was to happen to one of my family, that's not that's not acceptable. The RCMP did confirm a 77-year-old man was killed during the tornado, but officials with the arm of Alonza say it could have been much worse. We had no telephone, cell service. It was, we could not warn people. Um, we, we could see the, the direction the tornado was going and we could not warn the people down the road because of that cell service. We have friends 15 kilometers from here that were trying to contact us and tell us there's a tornado coming, watch out for it or or, or get, get away and they couldn't contact us. A major issue is that the community lost its cell reception in June and despite reaching out to providers, they haven't learned why. But after this incident, officials say they'll be fighting harder than ever to get it back. Nikki Judy, Global News. In Manitoba, a mother and her newborn baby are doing well, despite the infant's rather dramatic birth on Wednesday night. Baby Lila was born in the passenger seat of the family car on the side of a highway outside of Winnipeg. The parents, Dino and Kyla Camry, had been sent home by the hospital twice. An hour and a half after being sent home the second time, that baby came fast. I ran around to the other side here, so I ran around and uh, I could see her in there. Obviously, she was giving birth and I went to grab the door and it was locked and I'm freaking out. And he's knocking at the window because it was locked and the cord was actually around her neck, so I didn't let him in. I'm busy trying to make sure she's okay, um, which she was totally fine. At every pregnant woman's worst scenario, a 911 operator coached dad on what to do after Lila was born. An ambulance arrived about half an hour later. The couple is now filing a complaint with the hospital about being turned away twice. A Saskatchewan woman also has quite the birth story to tell when it comes to her triplet. Her labour came on so quickly she delivered inside her home. When the first baby wasn't breathing, she quickly sprung into action. Griffin, Saskatchewan, about an hour and a half southwest of Regina, doesn't look like it would be home to a superhero, but that's what this mom of seven is being called. <laughs> it's like I'm so not a super mom, I'm just a regular person. Danielle Johnston and her sidekick son Dylan saved her triplets, Carly, Liam and Jack. On July 16th, at 32 weeks after a routine checkup, Johnston came home with a clean bill of health. Everything looked really good and I was just to continue doing what I was doing. 
Things took a turn when she'd put her other three children down for bed. Dylan came in from the family's woodworking shop and found his mom in distress. Come in, go clean up, come upstairs, get ready for bed, and she's sitting there huffing and puffing and having a hard time. <laughs> Dylan quickly called 911 and was told an ambulance wouldn't be there for at least 45 minutes. But little Carly couldn't wait that long. The baby came out, I had to like pull her out, and, and then she wasn't breathing at first, so it kind of like took all the mucus out of her and started CPR. That's right. She performed CPR on one triplet while in active labor with the other two. I didn't do anything anyone else wouldn't have done. I don't feel like a super mom. <laughs> For most Canadians, swooping in and saving a life with CPR is something that happens maybe once in a lifetime. But for Danielle and the rest of the Johnston family, this is the third time CPR has come to the rescue in rural Saskatchewan. Know what to do, basically, if something happens, because you're a long ways away from civilization, basically. When her nine-year-old daughter, Kate, was 10 months old, she and her mom were swept up in a landslide. She was blue, like she was gone, and, and then uh, I gave her CPR. And when Samuel was just six weeks old, he stopped breathing. She gave him CPR as well, with Dylan there to see it all. Liam and Jack were delivered via cesarean in hospital. All three babies are miraculously doing well, and the mom of seven is counting her blessings. I'm so lucky, for one, thankful for everything, that it all worked out, because it could have been really bad. When they grow up, little Carly, Jack, and Liam will hear the story of how their mom and big brother went into superhero mode and saved the day and their lives. Candace Daniel, Global News, Regina. Incredible story. In other news tonight, a Russian helicopter has crashed shortly after takeoff in Siberia today. All 18 people on board have been killed. Aviation officials believe the helicopter collided with the load being carried by another helicopter. Both had taken off from the same launch pad located above the Arctic Circle, about 2,600 kilometers northeast of Moscow. The second aircraft was not damaged and landed safely. The downed chopper was carrying 15 oil workers and three crew members. The helicopter was manufactured in 2010. The pilots had nearly 6,000 hours of experience. In Venezuela, police say an explosion in the capital was an assassination attempt on the country's president. Nicolas Maduro was giving a speech at a military parade when police say explosives carried by drones went off. Seven soldiers were injured. Maduro was safely escorted away, but firefighters at the scene are disputing the assassination claim, saying it was a gas tank explosion inside an apartment instead. In health matters tonight, the World Health Organization fears a new vaccine may not be effective against a new Ebola outbreak in Congo. At least 33 people have died in the latest outbreak, which was declared more than a week ago. The group has sent expert staff and equipment to the northeastern part of the country to fight it. The WHO hopes to know as early as Tuesday whether the vaccine has been effective. Hitting soccer and balls with your head hitting more soccer balls. for female Oh, I think I might tell you about that instead. Hitting soccer balls with your head is more risky for female players. 
In a study published in the journal Radiology, researchers compared the MRI images of women and men with similar ages and exposure to heading. What they found in this is female players showed more changes to brain tissue. Researchers aren't sure why women are more affected, saying more study is needed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, with the weather, you might have felt a little bit of a change today. It is definitely getting warmer again. Yvonne is out at English Bay uh, for tonight, the final night of the Honda Celebration of Lights, uh, Yvonne. And I I suppose you can feel that heat right now. Yes, there's a bit of a breeze if you're coming down and you're going to be by the water this evening. Temperatures for the fireworks will be sitting at 18 degrees, but it is spectacular and only warmer as we get in towards the rest of our long weekend. So let's take a look at the forecast. Here's another beautiful shot of English Bay. Temperatures are still sitting into the low 20s for most areas, and it's really as we get in towards uh, the latter half on our Monday that'll be even hotter. 22 right now with the southwesterly wind at 17 kilometers per hour. Our high today was at 22 right where we should be for areas away from the water closer to 26 and 27 and we'll push close to that 30 degree mark in towards next week. Highs today with the Soyuz up to 30 degrees, Kamloops up to 29, Lillooette today at 31 degrees and your current temperatures for Prince George at 23. Terrace sitting at 25 in areas near Port Hardy at 20 degrees. We did have some moisture earlier today that was off the north coast, but that system is going to stay stalled and offshore, so most areas across the province will be seeing dry conditions. Still a bit of active weather over the last two to three hours, and that's just east areas near Hope with a line of lightning working its way in, and we'll see that in towards the Okanagan. That should start to fizzle off, and then a much calmer day tomorrow. Big weather story is this ridge of high pressure that is building into place. The heat will make a return. Most areas across the south coast, hot Monday, Tuesday, but it's the interior that will see those numbers pushing Wednesday in towards our Thursday and potentially Friday back into the mid and upper 30s with this temperature trend showing us Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday with highs of 37 and potentially up to 38 degrees. So not much of a reprieve for those who are fighting the fires. For the piece, up to 27 degrees, the Humidex tomorrow making it feel closer to 30 degrees. Whitehorse will be underneath a mainly cloudy sky with a high of 24. Coastal sections for the northern half of the province up to 21, up to 28 and 29 degrees for inland. Caribou and Central Interior 26, the Humidex at 28 degrees. Columbia and Kootenai will be at 30 degrees with a very slight chance to see an isolated shower. And it'll be similar for the Thompson Okanagan with temperatures soaring leading in towards your Wednesday, Thursday. Whistler for the village up to 27 degrees. Most areas near the island were at 24. Cooler if you're by the water tomorrow up to 19 degrees. And for the fireworks this evening at 10 p.m. we'll be sitting at 18 degrees underneath 
a clear sky. Your five-day forecast, fantastic, but be prepared. It's going to get even warmer, especially Tuesday, Wednesday for most areas across Metro Vancouver. And if you're planning on coming down to see the fireworks, I suggest you come early. Our next guest, Ria May, is going to take the stage at 8.30 this evening. Welcome to Vancouver, sunny Vancouver, because I know you said you haven't been here before when it's been nice. It's true. I thought the rumor, I thought people were lying to me when they said you guys get sun, because I've always been here. It's like super rainy, um, but it's beautiful. We couldn't ask for better weather. All right. Well, welcome to English Bay. You're going to kick things off on the stage. You've been touring with your debut album, Under Your Skin. Um, tell us a little bit about it and what people can expect when they're coming tonight. Um, tonight we're going to try to play um, just like upbeat stuff. It's summertime and we want to have a few drinks, not before the show, but after the show we're going to hang out. And uh, we're just going to take in like just how beautiful it is here. I I'm from Halifax originally, so it's like, you know, I have a mini version of this, but this is pretty special. So we're, we're just really excited. We're happy to have you. We hope that you'll stay to watch the fireworks tonight. And once again, if you want to check Rhea, she's going to be at 8.30. If you plan on heading a little bit earlier, at 7.45, there's going to be the air show that will be taking place as well. So once again, have a great show tonight and enjoy it. And thanks so much for joining us in Vancouver. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. All right. That's it for now. And if you're planning on heading down, temperatures will be sitting at 18 degrees. Guys? All right. Welcome back. Let's uh, get all your sport now. Meet Changing switch. things up a bit. We're yep. trying to fool our parents to see if they notice. <laughs> It's all yours, Barry. <laughs> all right, let's talk some sports. Thanks, Sonia. Uh, the Whitecaps are coming off a very dynamic 4-2 win last Saturday at home against Minnesota. But the trick now for Alfonso Davies and the rest of the team is to bring some of that enthusiasm on the road. They have just three road victories. Tonight they're at Yankee Stadium in the Bronx taking on New York City FC, who are 10-0-1 on their home pitch. They've yet to lose. Davies starting on the bench after playing in the MLS All-Star Game Wednesday. No Kendall Waston either out from suspension. Too many yellow cards. Stefan Marinovich, what a fantastic save to swat away a sure New York City goal. Playing a bit understaffed today are the Whitecaps. They're going to need Marinovich to be outstanding. Yankee Stadium's a small field for soccer, so it doesn't take long to get into scoring position. Nicholas Mesquita on the run, fires from 25 yards out, and he finds the corner. What a strike by the Uruguayan. That's what the White Caps needed. Be lethal in transition. Mosquito with a cracker, 1-0 Caps. NYC with the chance here. The bicycle kick just over the bar. A for effort. Could not quite execute the play, but that pressure finally pays off in first half stoppage time. Jesus Medina will beat Marinovic and it goes through the wickets. 1-1 at the half. Tough goal to give up that late for the Whitecaps. And then in the opening minute of the second half, it gets worse. Another NYC goal. Joe Inga Burgett to Valentin Castellanos, who gets a toe on it, tips it in. 2-1 NYCFC right now with about 15 minutes to go in that one. Well, like the Whitecaps, the Lions are in hostile territory tonight. BC is coming off their second bye week of the season already. They should have plenty of energy, but they'll need to play at a much higher level to have a prayer against the unbeaten and invincible-looking Stampeders. The game just underway. We've got highlights. Travis Lule, first career start versus Bo Levi Mitchell. And Travis off to a good start. Nice second down conversion here to Ricky Collins. 16 yards led to a tie-long field goal. 3-0 Lions. But the Stamps do respond. Bo Levi Mitchell is going to air it out to Kamar Jordan who gets past the coverage and a great over-the-shoulder catch rolls in for the 53-yard touchdown, 7-3 Stampeders, and they are very late 
in the first quarter. Some hockey now. The World Junior Showcase from Kamloops, Canada and the USA. Quinn Hughes, the Canucks first rounder. Very impressive for Team USA so far. He was in the penalty box, though, when Canada scores. Nick Suzuki, the Vegas Golden Knight first rounder, made it 2-1. Second period, Canada gets another. South Surrey's Michael Rasmussen with the nice tip in front. He's a Red Wings grad, plays for the Tri-City Americans. 3-1 Canada. Meanwhile, Canucks second-round pick Jet Wu laying the body on Jay O'Brien. Wu can bring it physically, which the Canucks blue line really needs. Perhaps he and Quinn Hughes will be D partners one day. Look at Hughes with this play, dancing into the net, towards the net. Noah Cates will score for the USA, but Hughes with another fabulous offensive play and then more magic from Hughes. He's such a great skater, sees the ice so well, sets up the rebound goal by Jay O'Brien. Second assist for Hughes, made it 5-4. to four. Just as the final buzzer sounded, big fracas involving Quinn and his younger brother, Jack Hughes. Both feisty guys. Canada won the game 6-5. to five. Back to the MLS, Eastern leading Atlanta United, hosting the defending champs, Toronto FC, who are playing up to their high standard now after a horrible first half to the season. And late in the first half, Josie Altidore and Oro combined to set up Sebastian Javinko, 1-0 Toronto, but Atlanta tied it from the penalty spot and then took the lead. Joseph Martinez getting ahead on that one to make it 2-1 Atlanta in front of another massive crowd. They had over 70,000 for the All-Star game, 45,000 today. But in stoppage time, TFC equalize another fantastic setup. Javinko and Asario combined to set up the Canadian Tosaint Ricketts. TFC rescue a point, 2-2 the final. They're now just five points out of the final playoff spot as they climb the standings. Welcome back, everyone. Tiger Woods has had moments of greatness during this latest comeback. Tiger, in his limited play this year, actually has the best third-round scoring average on the PGA Tour. Today at the Bridgestone Invitational, a tournament he's won a record eight times. Tiger was looking to climb the leaderboard and get back into uh, contention for his first Tour win since 2013, which was at this very event. Tiger began the day just five back in 10th place, but the only... Moving he did today was down. His work off the tee was just playing poor on the par five. That's not even close. Somehow managed to par out of it, but Tiger just couldn't get in position to make birdies today. In the 11th from the rough, chunks it out, doesn't quite get it on the proper tier, and this one is coming back. Settles to 30 feet from the hole, another bogey. Four bogeys, just one birdie today as Tiger shoots three over 73. He's way down in 28th now at three under 11 off the lead, so still a work in progress. Jason Day playing better these days. From the rough, the Aussie chips it in for birdie. Day in fourth at 10 under. Englishman Ian Poulter, what a revival season it's been for him. Poulter with the birdie here at 14. He is at 11 under par, tied for second. Rory McIlroy, clean scorecard today. Three birdies, no bogeys. His final birdie coming at the 17th. Rory will play in the final group of the day tomorrow. He is at 11 under par, and he will play with the leader, Justin Thomas. Thomas with a fantastic approach here at the 10th. When they twirl the club, you know they like it, and that is close. It'll kick in birdie there. gets to 13 under, and then at the 12th, chipping out of the rough. Thomas showing his touch. This is perfect. 
in for another birdie. Thomas with a three-shot lead at 14 under par. Final round on Global tomorrow at 12.30. Women's British Open from Royal Lytham in St. Anne's in England. Canadian Brooke Henderson in the hunt for her second career major. Brooke from long distance on the second. This one looks good. Tracking the whole way, but just lips out. Part her first five holes, but she did get some birdies on six and nine. And then here at 15, another birdie on the par five. That erased her only bogey of the day, which came a hole previous on the 14th. And then on 18, always nice to finish this way. 12-footer for birdie, Brooke Henderson, 8th under par, 5 shots off the lead, tied for 7th. Everyone chasing Thailand's Pornanong Patlam, shooting a 3-under 69 today. She's at 13-under par. Final round tomorrow from England. Baseball today, Red Sox and Yankees. Boston continues to dominate all teams. Even the Yankees can't compete with them, and they have the second-best record in baseball. Red Sox jump out quickly. Mitch Moreland, two-run homer to right. 2-0 Boston. And then in the fourth, J.D. Martinez with his major league leading 33rd home run over the Green Monster. Off the tower, 3-0 Red Sox. Boston's got great pitching, too. Nathan Eovaldi, eight shutout innings, just three hits against. Red Sox get their Major League Best 78th win, 4-1 the final. Boston now with an eight-and-a-half game lead on second-place New York in the East. Jays and Mariners continue their four-game series at Safeco tonight. Last night, another huge pro Blue Jays crowd in the fourth. Russell Martin with the solo homer. 2-0 Toronto. And then in the fifth, some more long ball for the Blue Jays, much to the delight of all those fans, many of them, of course, from B.C. Devin Travis with the two-run shot, 4-1 Jays. And their rookie, Ryan Barucki, was outstanding on the mound. Eight innings pitched, just four hits allowed, no earned runs. He struck out two, kept the Mariners off balance all night. 7-2 Jays win. Tonight, Ladner's James Paxton gets the start for Seattle, who have lost four straight and are now two games behind Oakland for the final wild card spot. All right, finally tonight, a group of Calgary-led cavers is going to a place no one has ever gone before. As Global's Lauren Pullen explains now, they are heading out tomorrow for a week-long expedition in BC, exploring uncharted territory in Canada's deepest cave. A mountain plateau so remote. This is the only real way to get there. Meet Mount Bizarro. Inside the mountain walls, depths unknown. This year, the Bizarro Anima cave system was explored by our team, and it was found to be the deepest uh, cave system north of Mexico. At least 670 meters deep, that's about three times the size of Calgary's Bow Tower, and cavers still haven't reached the bottom. Right now, there's only one known way inside. Uh, up on the plateau, we've got uh, hundreds of holes mapped out on GPS, and we need to go check them out and try to dig into them and see if we can open up new entrances. So the team, led by cavers from Calgary, is going back to do just that. Th this time around, we've got a lot of people going up there, more people than we've ever had with uh, people from far and wide coming. It's, it's a real quality crew that we've gone and, and recruited for the trip. The surface camp is above that, actually. It takes months of preparation 
and all sorts of gear. We've got over a kilometer of rope that's needed to rig the cave to the bottom. Uh, we've got uh, supplies uh, to be able to live in the cave and camp underground for up to a week at a time, um, which means uh, food and sleeping bags and hammocks because the ground is not level. <laughs> the trip declared the Royal Canadian Geographic Society Expedition of the Year. Alberta cavers have explored Bizarro about 10 times now. My dad was a caver for a long time, still is actually, and uh, he is coming on this expedition, which is super cool. He uh, organized the very first trip up there in 2012, so it's kind of uh, exciting to get him to come back up there. Uncovering uncharted territory. Uh, it's the last frontier of exploration, really. The bottoms of the ocean and the depths of our caves are, are, are still areas where you can go where no person has gone before. The feeling you get when you're, you know for sure you're walking in a place that nobody has ever been, uh, it's amazing. Lauren Pulling, Global News. Wow. That's some wild skulunking they're going to be doing. That's I believe that's word. what it's called, right? That is Revocate a great word. Yeah. Uh, for those of us, which is all of us, <laughs> that are staying above ground, Yvonne is at English Bay for the final night of the Honda Celebration of Light. And for those people who are planning to head out there in the next couple of hours, Yvonne, it's looking good tonight. Yeah, fantastic. It's going to be clear this evening. Temperatures will be sitting at 18 degrees at 10 p.m. And a final look at your five-day forecast. It's going to heat up for the latter half of our long weekend and very hot into mid-next week for the southern interior. So be prepared. But beautiful this evening if you're planning on heading down. And Ria May is going to take the stage at 8.30. Guys? All right. Thank you very much. Don't forget, you can catch the fireworks live on BC1 tonight from 10. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Looks like Monaco over there.